I'm sure you know by now, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has announced his candidacy for president, running as a Republican, of course. His uh, announcement went very interestingly. To talk about how that went, as well as now what the GOP uh, field looks like, I bring on the show Andy Taylor, political uh, science professor at NC State. Andy, thanks for being on the show. Oh, welcome to... I'm well, yeah, I'm very ble- pleased to be here, Nick. Sorry, I was going to say welcome to you. Not it's all good. <laughs> I stumbled over my words introducing you. We're we're off to a great a great start. But that's kind of uh, similar to how it went for DeSantis. Kind of a strange little situation. For those who don't or uh, didn't see it, uh, describe to me how DeSantis's announcement went. Well, I I mean I think not well would probably be a good way to describe it. So he was going to do this. Um, launch of his campaign with Elon Musk on Twitter live last night. And um, it was rather uh, up and down. Um, I think they didn't really organize it particularly well. They didn't anticipate the amount of strain that will be placed on the servers by so many people uh, being on Twitter at once. And it was glitchy. It was it, yeah, it just felt strange. I I would have thought that uh, DeSantis would have done this in front of a live crowd um, to give to provide some energy to really um, make the give him some momentum. You know, he, here's someone who uh, complained uh, incessantly about how we were kind of locked down during COVID and that Florida was open and they were they were doing things together. And, and yet he sort of gave us a flashback to what it was like to live back through COVID again when he launched his campaign. So it wasn't an auspicious beginning. Why do you think he chose to do it on Twitter as opposed to the traditional on a stage in front of a bunch of his supporters? Well, I think the connection and association with Elon Musk was presumably the principal factor. Um, you know, Musk has uh, a significant following uh, himself. Uh, he is increasingly seen as a darling of um, conservative politics with his takeover of Twitter and, and some of the policy changes. Um, so th- maybe the allure of, of Musk was critical there. Uh, I mean, fortunately for DeSantis, Nate, th- these things don't tend to be fatal, and we often forget about them as the campaign goes on. Of course, it gave an opportunity for his opponents, particularly former President Trump, to really take a dig at him. But but it's not going to, you know, it's it's going to be a, a short hiccup, and then uh, he'll move on to other things. Right. The important thing from it is that he is officially running for president, and we all know yeah. that now. So as far as he's concerned, mission was accomplished, the bare minimum there. You mentioned that uh, Elon Musk certainly has his supporters and fans as well who just follow him wherever he goes in terms of just being interested in the life of Elon Musk. Do you think it was effective for DeSantis in kind of linking himself up with Musk's people, or did this kind of not really have an impact there? Um, Well, as I said, I think the allure of Musk persuaded DeSantis to to do this. Um, He, you know, obviously Trump isn't on Twitter. Um, so much now. I mean, he's, he's got the True Social, his own um, social media company. Uh, and so maybe, you know, DeSantis sees this as a, an opportunity to, to kind of 
play to a particular crowd, suggest he's different from Trump, suggest that he's on the in and Trump's on the out with influential people in conservative circles. Uh, that's a plausible uh, rationale for it. Um, but again, you know, these things are, are fun and interesting, particularly when they go as unscripted as last night did. But in terms of material damage to campaigns, I'm skeptical as to, to whether the, you know, they really um, are, are, are become a real problem for, for, those, for those campaigns, in this case with DeSantis. I'm speaking with Andy Taylor. He's an NC State political science professor talking about the uh, GOP primary situation. Looking at the candidates who are now there, if you look at polls, it's uh, pretty clear Trump is a number one, DeSantis is a number two, then there's everybody else at the bottom. Uh, do you think it's going to stay that way? Could we see a third person uh, announce or at least make their way to polling decently to kind of well, be similar to DeSantis and Trump? Well, we have a, a larger field, obviously, especially this week with Senator Tim Scott announcing fellow North Carolinian and former Governor Nikki, uh, Nikki Haley, who was also Trump's UN ambassador for a while, has announced. Um, many people believe that an announcement is imminent from Vice Pre former Vice President Mike Pence, which would be very interesting, obviously, the Trump-Pence dynamic in the race. Um, other people being talked about, um, a former New Jersey governor and Trump ally, now, um, I guess, foe, Chris Christie, Chris Sununu, uh, obviously a Sharon of a very famous New Hampshire political family that people will remember from the Bush years, first Bush, um, his dad, John Sununu. So, the, so the, yeah, I mean, it's going to, it's a, it's a larger field than just the two of them. The question you pose, Nate, is, yeah, can someone emerge out of that? I think there are opportunities there. One of the interesting things from Trump's perspective is, although, you know, is, is he's leading here. In 2016, he was nowhere at this stage. Um, but he's leading here, so he's going to have people taking shots at him much earlier. And the field is a lot smaller, and so you're going to have these sort of um, one-on-ones with Trump in a way that you didn't have in 2016, which I think benefited him. So uh, it, it, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously, at this stage, it looks like he's got much greater advantage than he did eight years ago, and he won eight years ago. Um, but having said that, how does he deal with this with this new approach? And And maybe it puts him on the back foot a little bit more, makes him more defensive. Maybe that isn't a great strategy for Trump. We'll have to see. It's interesting. This might be coming out of left field. This might not. Is it possible we could see Trump and DeSantis running together, one being president, one being vice president? Uh, well, I guess you would never say never, with, especially with Trump. Um, I I don't know. Um, one of the things about well, obviously would depend upon how the campaign went. Let's, we were assuming Trump's going to be the nominee. Would be the nominee. Uh, you know, it, it it might be very difficult to do that if it's been a, a very brutal campaign. Would seem you know after when when the kinds of things that they would say to each other and they would say, well, we didn't mean it. Um, we're we're going to run together. That sometimes can be untenable. The other thing is. <laughs> Would it help DeSantis uh, if he has designs on the presidency himself? He's only 44. He's a pretty young guy. Um, there are presumably, if he doesn't hurt himself too much in 2024, even if he isn't the nominee, 
uh, there, there are presumably other opportunities later on, um, in which case uh, he, it might be advantageous for him to not be with Trump. This is a predicament for Pence, of course. If Pence jumps in, how does he play this? Um, how does he? What does he say about Trump? What does he say about his four years serving as Trump's vice president? How does he distance himself? Initially, it seems as though Vice President Pence will focus on um, foreign affairs and sort of talk a little bit about some of uh, Trump's personal behavior rather than the policies of the Trump administration. But that's going to be a very difficult uh, kind of tightrope to walk. Um, and that might have lessons for a potential DeSantis-Trump um, alliance. Does, does DeSantis want to do that? As always, we'll find out more as time moves on. Uh, Andy Taylor, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Nick.